Welcome to the Dare to Multiply podcast. On this podcast, we help passionate Jesus followers become courageous, obedient disciples who impact their communities for the kingdom of God. I'm your host, Cynthia Anderson, a disciple multiplication coach and trainer. I'm going to show you how to make and multiply disciples in your area. God's got great things ahead for you. Let's dare to multiply. Why is the church growing so rapidly in the most persecuted areas of the world? Why is it that movements tend to emerge there where persecution is kind of a normal part of life? Today, I'm talking on this podcast, this episode with Todd Nettleton, the host of Voice of the Martyrs Radio. And we're going to hear some amazing stories of what God is doing in persecuted areas, some stories of persecuted Christians and what we can learn from their faith and their boldness. And you are going to be really blessed as you go through this episode and listen in. So we'll be right back with Todd Nettleton in just a moment. Are you busy but not seeing the fruit you long for? Dissatisfied with your present level of impact on those around you? Are frustrated with traditional methods of discipleship that don't seem to be effective? If so, the Getting Started in Disciple Making Movements course may be just what you need. Inside the Getting Started program, you'll get access to a step-by-step proven approach to making and multiplying disciples. Not only will you receive 25 short and practical video teachings spread out over six modules, but you'll have a chance to connect with others for group coaching via our monthly Zoom calls. And even more importantly, you'll become part of a global community of like-minded people from all over the world who are passionately committed to following Jesus and impacting others around them. If you want to get unstuck and begin moving forward as a disciple who makes disciples, I encourage you to go to courses.dmmsfrontiermissions.com and sign up for this powerful program today. And now to today's episode. Well, I am here with Todd Nettleton. Todd, it's great to have you on the Dare to Multiply podcast. I'm so honored that you would give us time for this. And um, yeah, really excited to talk to you today. Todd is the host of the Voice of the Martyrs radio, and you have been doing this for so much longer than I have. And <laughs> But I appreciate you coming in with a newbie like me. And um, yeah, thank you so much for being here. We're really looking forward to what you have to say today. We're talking about multiplying disciples in persecu- persecuted areas, especially places with high levels of persecution. And Really looking forward to the stories and things. And Todd, you have a new book out, fairly recent. I think, I'm not sure, when did it come out? Uh, 2021. So yeah, it's a couple years, but yeah, it's it's still pretty new. Yeah, a couple years ago. And I just got a copy of that at a recent visit. Um, Let's see, put it there. Um, When Faith is Forbidden. And I know some of what you'll share today is from that book. We may stray to some other topics as well, but just really great to have you here, Todd. Todd, you have been interviewing people in the persecuted church for over 20 years, I guess it is, and um, have a wealth of knowledge. I bet it was hard to choose which stories to include in a book like this with so many amazing stories that you've heard. But tell us first just a little bit about yourself, maybe how you got interested in the persecuted church and serving them and 
um, yeah, a little bit about your journey before we dive in. Well, I like to tell people that uh, my start at VOM really goes back to 1982 when I was 12 years old and uh, our family packed up and moved to Papua New Guinea. I grew up in Southern California. Uh, and when I was 12, my parents accepted a call as missionaries to Papua New Guinea. And so we packed up and moved. And uh, I remember very clearly we had kind of a family conference. My parents said, you know, this is what we feel like God is leading us to do. Uh, we went around the circle and had a vote and I was the lone no vote. I was oh, like, wow. well, <laughs> I like I like Southern California. Uh, I was just getting ready to go into junior high, which at my school meant I could start playing in sports, which I was a huge, still am a huge sports fan. Uh, and it was like, this is not the time that I want to pack up and move to halfway around the world. I'm just really not interested in that. Uh, let's stay here. <laughs> and so um, my my vote uh, at the end of the conversation, it, it was, uh, well, if this is what God is calling us to do, this is what we need to do. Um, and so we did. We packed up. We moved to Papua New Guinea. We spent four years there. And uh, that really planted a lot of seeds in my life. Uh, that are bearing fruit today in my work mm. at Voice of the Martyrs. And uh, one of the really practical ones is we didn't have a television for four years. Uh, yeah. And I learned how to read for pleasure. I, I read books for entertainment instead of watching TV. Uh, well, you know, now I'm a writer. <laughs> so yeah. that that comes when you read a lot. You think, hey, I, I could write something. I could write a story. Um, and so that that really, I think, grew directly out of not having a television for four years as a teenager and learning how to read, learning how to read critically, learning how to mm. read for entertainment. Um, the other thing that that just very practically is I love getting on an airplane uh, and going someplace I've never been before and okay. figuring out, hey, what? you know, what, what are the good things to eat here? How, how do you find a bathroom in this country? <laughs> um, some of those just really nitty gritty things I enjoy that. That's fun to me to do that. And I think that's a direct result of when I was 12 years old, we got on an airplane and flew someplace we'd never been before. And uh, we lived there for four years. So I had to learn how to find a bathroom. I had to learn how to get around in that culture. And uh, so when I look back on that now, I really do see that God was was planting some seeds in my life that would produce fruit a long time later. Um, as far as coming to work at Voice of the Martyrs, the, the lady that hired me uh, is married to my college roommate. Uh, okay. And at the time, Voice of the Martyrs was much, much smaller than it is now. Uh, I had worked as a sports writer. I had worked in public relations at a Christian university. Um, and she was given the task of building a communications department here at VOM. Um, and so we went out to dinner with them and... Uh, she said, you know, I need somebody who can tell stories. And I said, boy, I like telling stories. Um, right. And it just was a great fit for me with um, having one foot in the international church and in the work that God is doing around the world, uh, but also still living in America. I never felt a call to go and live overseas and serve in that role. Uh, but I love missions. I love overseas work. And so this kind of gives me the best of both worlds of hey, I, I have one foot in that international work. I get to hang out with missionaries. I get to hang out with people from other cultures and hear their stories. Uh, but I live right here in America and I, I have the privilege of, of that. So it has been a great fit. I earlier this year celebrated 25 years working here at VOM. 25, and, um, wow. I just feel like this is what I was born to do. This is what God created me to do. Yeah, that's amazing. And isn't it wonderful how God 
you know, a, a young, young boy who didn't, wasn't sure he wanted to go. <laughs> and um, I was sure I didn't want to go. <laughs> you were sure you didn't want to go. And, uh, but you went, you went in obedience to the Lord and your parents and God used that to be formative, but God didn't necessarily keep you there because that wasn't his calling on your life to be abroad, you know, your whole life. But that's really beautiful and need to need to hear that story. Hey, Todd, I didn't put this in the question list. I sent you ahead, but how many countries have you been in? Do you know? I think I'm at 53 right now, 53 or 54. Okay. So okay. Uh, I, I crossed 50 a couple of years ago. That was kind of a big milestone. And um, yeah. it's uh, one, of the, one of the blessings of working at VOM is obviously travel and getting to visit lots of places. Uh, one of the, the less blessings of being the host <laughs> of VOM Radio and being kind of a public face of VOM uh, is there's a lot of places I can't go anymore that I could sure. have gone uh, 10 years ago. And in fact, in the book, I tell stories of going to places that, that I can't go now, like, sure, uh, like yeah. China being one of them. And so, uh, but yeah, I, I still love going to places I've never been. Yeah. Well, that's a lot of places to figure out where to find the bathroom. In. <laughs> <laughs> it is. That's, and it's, it's uh, the older I get, the more important that question is. So. <laughs> yeah, there we go. <laughs> Well, tell us um, before we go into some more questions and some stories, we want to hear some stories from you. Um, this book in particular, When Faith is Forbidden, 40 Days on the Front Lines with Persecuted Christians. What was it that really motivated you to get this particular book um, out there and, you know, in a place where people could could read it and learn from it? The idea has been percolating for a long time in my heart and in my mind. And I think kind of the genesis of it is I, I would go on a trip and I would meet these amazing saints, heroes of the faith, and hear their stories. Um, and I would come back and, you know, in my Sunday school class, in my Bible study group, I would share a little bit about the trip. I would share in radio interviews some of the people I had met. And inevitably, somewhere along the way, someone would say, man, I wish I could go with you on a trip. Mm -hmm. When, when, you know, when are you leaving again? Can it, uh, the, the places where VOM is working, you don't want a bunch of foreigners running around together. That that tends to draw too many eyes and too much attention. Uh, but that really was the genesis for the idea of the book is what, what if you could go with me on a trip mm -hmm. through the pages of a book? And so that's really how the book is written is uh, kind of as, a, as an invitation. Hey, why don't you come with me for 40 days? Let's go on a trip. Let's meet a persecuted Christian every single day during that 40 day journey. And we'll sit down, we'll have tea with them. We'll hear their story. And on day 41, your faith is going to look different than it did when we started this journey, because you, you can't encounter these type of followers of Christ and not walk away different. It just mm. it doesn't happen. Um, mm. And so that really was the genesis of the book is, hey, what, what if we take a kind of a literary journey? Let, let's spend 40 mm. days together. Let's go on a trip. And so I, you know, in the book, I, I tell the stories of different Christians that I've met over the years, uh, but I also try to capture some of the, the travel fun and uh, one of the editors at Moody in the process of editing the book, I I wrote about my deep love and affection for squatty potties, which I don't have any <laughs> deep love or affection for squatty potties. And the editor was like, you know, I really don't, I don't think that's going to bless people. I don't, you know, I don't think that really is, is fulfilling your goal. And I'm like, no, I want people to understand some of the nitty gritty of travel that, that it's not always glamorous. It's not always fun. And, 
you know, you get sick and you feel terrible and you're jet lagged and you are awake in the middle of the night and then you're dead asleep in the middle of the day. And um, I want people to have that sense of really going on a trip with me and some of those things that that you don't necessarily talk about in a radio interview. Um, right. So that the, the book is designed <laughs> to be, hey, we're going on a trip together and we're going to experience these amazing saints and we're going to experience some of the fun of, of airplane travel and some of the fun of different cultures and different foods because I really want it to feel like we are traveling together. Right. Yeah. And I had noticed that as well, kind of that personal touch and you share some of your own journals and there's a place where the, the reader can journal. I've been reading through the book and I'm not quite finished, but been enjoying it. And um, yeah, and we'll put in the show notes more about that at the end. But a lot of those who listen to the Dare to Multiply podcast, some of them actually live in persecuted areas themselves. Um, we have people all across Africa and Asia, as well as the Western world. And um, we, we especially want to talk about what does it look like to multiply disciples in a persecuted area? And I would love if you'd just go ahead and dive into one of the stories, maybe one from the book or another story of, of someone from the persecuted church that maybe particularly impressed you or even how that, how that affected you personally in your own walk with the Lord. It'd be awesome. Well, there is a story in the book. The story of Iman in Iran is is one of my favorites. And I, I always have trouble saying one of my favorites because these 40 stories <laughs> are my favorites. So so it is it is one of my favorites because it's in the book. It's one of those 40. Um, but Iman, a, as he began to share his testimony, and I had the chance, he's from Iran. I'm from America. I can't really go to Iran. He can't really come to America. So we met up in, in another country where both of us could get a visa uh, and as I sat down with him to hear his story, he said, now, I want you to understand I'm a really competitive person. And mm -hmm. I was like, oh, yeah, no, that's nice. And he's like, no, 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 you got to understand I'm a really competitive person. <laughs> he said, <laughs> you know, when I was in the Iranian military during the Iran-Iraq war, I told my commander, listen, you send me to the place where the fighting is the fiercest. If, if I can't die as a martyr for my country in the next 24 hours, I don't even want to waste my time. Uh, mm -hmm. And he said, when I was a thief, I wanted to steal more than anyone else was stealing. And if someone else tried to steal something and got caught, I wanted to go and steal that thing just to show I'm a better thief than they are. I, I oh. could steal something that, that they couldn't steal. And he said, when I was a drug addict, I wanted to use every drug that there is in the world. And I wanted to use more of every drug than anyone else was using. I wanted to be the best drug addict in Iran. And I'm like, okay, okay, I understand you're competitive. You're, you're competitive. <laughs> I get it. Uh, yeah, I get it. I get it. I get what you're saying. And uh, so Iman didn't die in the Iran-Iraq war. He did become a drug addict and was really desperate, really horribly addicted. Uh, so much so that his family went on vacation and left him at home. They're like, we we don't want to be with you. You stay home and use your drugs and we're going to go and have fun and, and really kind of rejected him. He felt very much rejected by that. Um, and Iman tells the story. He was, you know, at home by himself, addicted to drugs, and he's flipping through channels and he comes across a Christian satellite TV channel. And the only words he hears as he's just flipping through channels is when I gave my heart to Jesus and he flipped onto the next channel and, and he said, he thought, what, what strange people Christians are that they give away their hearts. Like who does that? That's the weirdest thing. 
And the same thing happened a few days later. He's flipping through channels. He's on the Christian channel just long enough to hear someone say, when I gave my heart to Jesus. And again, he thought, man, weird people, those Christians giving away their hearts. And a couple days after that, he is on the roof of his house. He has smoked all of his crack. He is out of drugs. He's miserable, hating his life, wanting to die, and finally cries out to God. God, I don't even know if you're real, but would you save me? Save me from this addiction. Save me from myself. And he said kind of nothing happened. Like, like he was kind of disappointed. He's like, did I, am I just too dirty and too broken that God can't save me? Or is this, is he rejecting me? Or so he went off of the roof, back into his room. He got into bed, he turned on the, the TV and he again began flipping channels and again, he came to a Christian channel. And again, he heard those same words when I gave my heart to Jesus. This time he stayed on the channel long enough to hear what came next. And the person said, when I gave my heart to Jesus, he saved me. And Iman was, had been on the roof like an hour before this praying, God, save me. Mm. And now he heard, when I gave my heart to Jesus, he saved me. And mm. Iman was like, okay, this is the answer. And he, and he said, he just knelt he prayed. He said, Jesus, save me, save me for myself, save me for my addiction. And Iman told me that, that he could feel Jesus in the room with him. Like he mm -hmm. felt the presence of Christ. And he said, honestly, I didn't open my eyes because I didn't feel like I was worthy to look at Jesus face to face. Like I was yeah. so broken and so addicted. Mm. I wasn't worthy to see Jesus. So I kept my eyes closed, but I knew he was there. I knew he was right there with me. And Jesus healed him. Jesus healed him from his addiction. He took away the mm. addiction. And mm -hmm. that competitive fire that had driven Iman when he was a soldier and when he was a thief and when he was a drug addict now was driving him as a disciple. He was like, I don't want to be an average disciple. I want to be the best disciple. I don't want to be an average witness for Christ. I want to be the best witness, the best evangelist that Jesus has ever had. And from that day forward, his assumption is if... God brings someone across his path, that person is ready to hear the gospel because why else would God bring them into contact with each other? Because Iman is committed. Every person I talk to, I'm going to share. I'm going to talk about Jesus. I'm going to tell my story. And mm -hmm. uh, when I met him, he had been following Jesus for four years and he had led a thousand people to Christ in that four wow. years. Um, and, it, mm -hmm. and his attitude, again, every single person he talked to, he assumes the Holy Spirit has them ready to hear the gospel because why else would he be talking to them? Um, mm. As a believer in Iran, as a, a gospel worker in Iran, you're going to have trouble. And Iman ended up in jail. In fact, he ended up in solitary confinement for 21 days. Then he was moved into the general population. He was in a, a cell with 100 people. Uh, and he was there only about eight days, but he led 24 of his fellow prisoners to Christ in, wow. in that eight days. And when he sent in his ministry report for that month, he sent it into his leaders and he just said, you know, hey, I presented the gospel to 100 people. 24 of them prayed with me and they are walking with Jesus now. And it was only a couple weeks later that his minister, his leaders came to find out he had been in jail that month. Like, <laughs> like he didn't mention that in his report at all. And he, and he said, he's like, I, I just assumed if God had me in jail, then God had ministry for me to do there. And so I you know, I didn't think it was that big a deal where I was doing my ministry. It was just, I was doing my ministry and 24 people came to Christ. And wow. so Iman is an amazing example of someone who was completely healed and, 
And his attitude is, I owe God everything. Like God brought me, mm. he saved me from addiction. He saved me from wanting to kill myself. I owe him everything. So anything I suffer is nothing compared to what I owe Jesus. Um, and so eventually he was released from jail, continued on in ministry. Uh, but he is one of the stories in the book that every time I read it, it, it impacts me of, wow, I, A, I can't believe God lets me meet people like Iman, uh, and B, wow, I want to be that faithful. I want to have that same attitude that, that I want to serve God to the best of my ability as well. Mm, yeah, that's such a, such a great story. And yeah, I love, I love the part about how he, he really owes God everything. So now it's like every single person I meet, I'm going to assume God's brought them to me, you know, yep. I think that's, that's a good assumption to make. I mean, <laughs> it may not be absolutely true, but why not assume that, you know, I mean, why not assume that every person God's placed in your life is there for a reason God's brought them to you and his passion to, to never miss an opportunity. It sounds kind of like the new Testament, you know, never miss an opportunity that God brings to share. It does. <laughs> And um, yeah, so, so powerful and so characteristic of what we're seeing in disciple making movements where every believer is making disciples, every believer is sharing their faith and everyone is taking advantage and, and realizing they do owe God everything. That's part of what it actually means to be a follower of Jesus is to say, to realize that he has work for us to do and he is bringing people into our lives. So yeah, so powerful. That's great. Well, um, another thing I wanted to ask you is just where we know in the book of Acts and wherever there was persecution, the church increased. And we've seen that in, in history as well. When, it, when persecution comes, it seems, to, it seems to actually catalyze the spread of movements, the spread of the gospel in, in those areas. Um, why, why do you think these two things are so connected, persecution and, and the growth of the kingdom? It's such a great question, and, and I have some answers, but I don't want to think, I, I don't want to propose that I'm, I have the only answers. But as you say, this, this is something that's happened throughout history. I mean, even in the book of Acts, the, the apostles were scattered by persecution in Jerusalem, and so they left and went everywhere else and shared the gospel and shared about Jesus and built churches. And, and so this is a historic thing. I, I think two things come to my mind when you ask the question. Number one is persecution drives away the pretenders mm. in the church. If you're at church for the wrong reasons, you leave when persecution comes because it's just not worth it. Uh, if you're there for business connections or to meet girls or, you know, because you like the social status of, or whatever, if there's persecution involved, it's simply not worth that. And so mm. the pretenders leave. And so what you have is a church of full of people who are excited about Christ. They're there for the right reasons. They want to worship. They want to build, make disciples. They want to be discipled themselves. And if you have a church full of those kind of people, it's going to grow. Mm. It's, it's, there's almost no way it can't grow. Um, and, and so I think that's number one. The, the second thing that comes immediately to my mind is God shows his power in persecution uh, in ways that we don't see in prosperity. We don't see in comfort. Um, and, and so I think 
as God is showing his power in the church, again, it can't help but grow because people mm. are going to be drawn to that. People are going to want to be a part of that. Um, and so the church grows as God shows his power. Mm, yeah. Now yeah, those are so good. I mean, maybe one that, that you, you referred to that maybe I would add to that is just the scattering, you know, persecution often leads to movement and uh, mm -hmm. people moving out of their normal locations or having to flee. And as they flee, they, they go sharing, you know, um, they take Jesus with them. They take Jesus with them and, and uh, it catalyzes, catalyzes growth. But yeah, I love that about persecution drives away the pretenders and God shows his power in persecution in ways that he doesn't in times of comfort. And um, yeah, we don't, we don't want persecution. We don't like persecution. We, um, we want to pray that persecution will end in, in places where it's happening. We love our brothers and sisters, and yet we really can't move away from this truth, can we? That God uses persecution for his glory. He does use it. And, um, you know, it is what Jesus promised. Jesus mm. promised the world, the world hates me. If you follow me, the world will hate you also. Um, so it shouldn't surprise us, but, but I'm like you, I'm like, I don't, I don't want to be persecuted. I, I, I certainly don't pray for persecution. Um, but it seems like where we see persecution, we see the church growing. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. And, um, it's, it kind of reminds me of other things that God uses, you know, even say the pandemic, which, a lot of growth and new things to emerge and God's just so amazing. He works in the good times and the hard times um, in our lives. But yeah, um, what do you think is the most valuable lessons that we who don't live in persecuted areas? Um, I have before, but I don't currently live in an area with high persecution. What do you think are some of the most valuable lessons we can learn from the persecuted church as, as Jesus followers? There's so much that we can learn from them, and I'm I'm always challenged to uh, try to boil it down to one or two, uh, <laughs> just because there are so many. But but two things that that come to mind. One is, uh, and I talk about this in the book a little bit, a daily reliance on God. Um, mm -hmm. So many of us in our Western cultures, we don't have to rely on God on a day to day basis. Um, you know, we get a paycheck every two weeks or we have a job or we have our families, we have our friends and we don't we don't wake up in the morning and think, OK, God, if if you don't intervene in my day today, I, I'm not going to be successful. Nothing's going to happen. Or as in some cases, I'm going to be arrested. I, I'll, I'll end up in jail tonight unless, God, you intervene and you step in and, and act. We really need a little more of that in our, in our Western mindset of, no, I, I really do need God to intervene in my day today. I want it to be maximum impact for his kingdom. I want to have opportunities to, to talk to people about Jesus. Um, I need to learn to live in that kind of daily reliance of, okay, Lord, man, I'm expecting you to show up today because if you don't, it's just not going to go well. Things, things are mm -hmm. not going to work out. And so that's one thing that I think our brothers and sisters in persecution can teach us here in, in comfort and in prosperity is, man, we need to live in daily reliance on God. The mm -hmm. second thing that I would point to is just the importance of the scripture. Um, mm -hmm. I have met Christians who say, you know, I, I prayed for five years that I could have my own copy of the Bible. Mm -hmm. um, and I always feel incredibly guilty when they say that because I have multiple 
translations on my phone in my pocket. I can pull it out anytime. Mm. Um, but do I read it? Do I study it? Do I memorize it? Do I build my life on the principles of scripture? Um, it's easy not to in our context and in our culture. So I, I think that is a second thing is just building our lives on God's word, hiding it in our hearts, studying it, uh, just bathing in it you know, on a daily basis is something mm -hmm. that our persecuted brothers and sisters. And, uh, you know, again, we, we have the privilege, we have it in our pocket, we have it on our shelves. Uh, but we need to be sure that we are using it and allowing it to, uh, to filter into our lives and to, to change us from the inside out. Mm, so good. Yeah. And I was just talking with one of our movement leaders in a persecuted area the other day on a coaching call. And, and they said to me, they said, you know, Cynthia, there's really only three things we need to be doing. We need to pray. We need to make disciples and we need to read the Bible. <laughs> if we just do those three things, <laughs> things will tend to amazing. work out. <laughs> <laughs> amazing what God's going to do, you know, Amen. and we, we complicate our lives with so many things, but it really stuck with me. I thought, you know, that's so true. If I can just spend more time in prayer and more time in his word and, and actively making disciples myself. Um, yeah. Amazing what God will do with the simplicity of obedience in those three really key areas. So that, I was reminded of that by what you said and daily reliance on God. Wow. You know, I, I personally feel like as American Christians and maybe some who are living and working in other parts, you know, of the world that aren't, don't have as high of persecution in their area. Um, you know, we need to step out into some risky things that <laughs> make us more dependent, yeah. don't we? You know, yeah. I mean, there are risks to be taken, even if you live in Iowa, you know, uh, maybe the risk is to go meet your neighbor and start a conversation about Jesus. And that may not cause persecution, but take some risks that cause us, you know, to be more dependent. So, yeah, so good. Well, um, yeah, tell us another story if you would, especially if you have a story. Um, I'm thinking of those who are listening from Africa and Asia, um, a story of, of persecution, but maybe how that led to movement or led to multiplication of disciples in particular. Well, let me share the story of Sister Tong because it's it's one of my favorites. Again, another one of my favorites. Um, Sister Tong was the host of a house church meeting in China. Um, and at the time, this was several years ago that I was there and, and met her. At the time, the authorities would raid a house church. They would write down everybody's ID information. They would take pictures of everyone. But the host, the person who owned the home, they would get arrested. And so Sister Tong... When we met her, she had just come out of six months in jail uh, because mm. she hosted a house church meeting at her home. Mm. And uh, it was, I, I think, two or three weeks after her release that we were there and we were able to sit down with her. And um, I was talking to her through a translator. I, I knew I'm going to come back to America. Uh, I'm going to do interviews like this one. I'm probably going to write a story for the Voice of the Martyrs magazine. Um, so, you know, if you're going to tell somebody's story, what do you first thing you need the setting? So so let's get the setting for the story. And so I said to the translator, I, I said, you know, Sister Tong, tell me about the prison. And, you know, I'm, I'm going to paint a picture of how hard the bed was, how big the rats were, how terrible the food was. You just, you know, let's 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 get into how miserable you were the last six months while you were in prison. And so the translator translates my question and Sister Tong gets 
what I can only call a heavenly smile on her face. And she <laughs> says something in Chinese and the translator says, oh, yes, that was a wonderful time. And I, I honestly, I looked at the translator. I'm like, are you sure you understood my question? Like, I'm asking about prison and, you know, nobody would ever describe prison as a wonderful time. Are, are you sure? Yes, yes, I understood your question. Uh, are you sure Sister Tong understood what I was asking? Yeah, yeah, she understood. And I'm like, okay, well, you, you better explain yourself. And what Sister Tong said was during that six months that I was in prison, Jesus was so close to me and so real to me in that prison cell in a way that I had never experienced his presence before. Um, he was just right there with me every single day, mm -hmm. every step of the way. And she said, you know what else? There, there were some ladies in the cell with me. And when I got there, they didn't know Jesus. But today they are disciples. They are walking with Jesus. And I got to be the one who introduced them. I got to be the one to tell them about Jesus. Um, so Jesus was with me and Jesus gave me a ministry to do. Why wouldn't that be a wonderful time? Well, you know, how could it not be a wonderful time? Jesus is with me. He's got a ministry for me to do there. Um, and so the challenge that I took out of the story and the challenge I offer to readers in the book is, okay, well, what is there in our lives that could be a wonderful time if we would sort of borrow Sister Tong's glasses and look at it through her eyes? Mm -hmm. Is Jesus there with me? Yes, we believe Jesus is with us everywhere we go. Does he have a ministry for me to do? Probably. Mm -hmm. I might have to open my eyes and kind of look for it a little bit. Mm -hmm. uh, and and none of us would wish to be in a Chinese prison for six months. No. None of us would wish to be in an emergency room or an unemployment line or, you know, someplace else that we might not want to be. But is Jesus with us? Does he have a ministry for us to do in that place? Okay, then that can be a wonderful time. And and I, you know, I've tried to put that into practice and I would challenge our listeners, try to put that into practice. Okay, Jesus, I know you're here. I, I, I want to be with you while you're here. And while I'm here, mm. Mm. what ministry do you have for me to do? What, what person do you have for me to talk to? And that's the challenge of Sister Tong. And I think it's a challenge for all of us in, especially in situations we don't want to be in because, mm. you know, our, our first prayer in that situation is typically, Lord, get me out of here, <laughs> rescue mm -hmm. me from mm -hmm. this situation it is not typically, Lord, who's here that you want me to talk to? Who's here that you want me to reach, that you've prepared to hear the gospel today? Um, mm. And so it's a little bit of a change of mindset for us to say, okay, Lord, what do you, what do you want me to do here? Instead of, okay, Lord, get me out of here as quick as possible. Mm, yeah, that's so good and so powerful and applicable to so many different people's situations. And you know, it may be a health issue that makes you have to go to physical therapy or who's there that you know god's put into your life that like iman you could be sharing with or you yeah. know how how could god use you in your difficulty and in the circumstance he's placed you in and another thing that really strikes me todd as we've talked today is i don't hear you talking about fear um those who have been imprisoned and i'm sure suffered terribly there, um, even if they didn't talk about it, some of the things that they went through and, you know, beatings and horrible conditions. But I don't hear, I don't hear you talking about fear. 
um, and our fear of returning there because their perspective had shifted to how 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 close Jesus was mm -hmm. and how he could use me here and and they were active in taking advantage of those opportunities and um, it's interesting yeah. you mentioned that I I believe it was the same trip that I met Sister Tong I also met a college-age Chinese Christian woman, young lady, who also hosted a house church at her apartment. Um, and I asked her, you know, are you afraid that what you're doing is illegal? The police could come in. And she said, yes, I'm afraid. And I, my ears kind of perked up because like yeah. you, you know, it's like, wait a minute. What, I don't normally hear people tell me they are afraid. And so we talked a little bit about that. And then as we left, her pastor, who had taken me to meet with her, he said, you know, she's afraid because she's never been arrested before. Oh wow! Once, once you get arrested and you go to prison and, and you get interrogated and you realize, you know, Jesus really does show up in those circumstances. Uh, the promise in the Bible that Jesus will give you the words to say is a promise you can count on and you can take uh, you can take that to the bank that he will do that. He said once she's arrested the first time, she won't be afraid anymore because she wow. will have seen that God shows up. Uh, and I thought, you know that's hard one knowledge you know, none of us want to get to that point of knowledge but you're right they aren't afraid they, they are not intimidated by what man can do to them um, mm. because they have seen that god is more powerful than that mm, that's so good and and i hope for those of uh those of you who are listening right now who do live in persecuted areas that god would encourage you through these testimonies i you know, he doesn't want us to be afraid. He wants us to be bold. He wants us to be courageous. That mean, doesn't mean we take unnecessary risks, but we need to open our mouths and share Jesus, whether it's across the street um, or with, you know, that neighbor of another faith who, you know, maybe has a, a brother who's an imam or whatever it might be. And to take those courageous steps of faith, knowing that um, whatever happens, Jesus will be with you. And uh, he's going to show up and maybe, yeah, maybe some of that anxiety and fear will leave as we go through those circumstances and he walks with us. So, so good. Um, yeah. Any last words of encouragement? And again, there's some from Africa and Asia listening. There's people from all over the world. But um, any last words of encouragement for those who are actively wanting to see the multiplication of disciples in their area? Well, I would just encourage you, and honestly, I would thank you as as someone who uh, watches what happens in restricted nations and hostile areas. Thank you for standing strong in your faith. Thank you for being an example to us here, uh, an example to other believers around the world. And I pray that uh, what we've talked about today is an encouragement to you, is a blessing to you, um, and just know that you're not alone. Uh, there are brothers and sisters around the world who are connected to you through the body of Christ. They're praying for you. Uh, they are standing with you. They're standing in their situation uh, as an example, as an encouragement to you. You're standing in your situation as an encouragement to us, as an encouragement to other believers around the world. Uh, and I would just say thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you, Todd. And thank you for what you do and what Voice of the Martyrs does. You guys have been a a wonderful partner to so many around the world who are working in persecuted areas and um, especially in raising prayer, being our voice 
uh, in a sense. Um, and so, so appreciate you, you personally and the ministry of VOM. Um, how can people who might want a copy of this book, how can they get a hold of it? How can they connect with VOM if they want to pray for the persecuted church? Tell us a little bit about that couple of things I would point to. One is our website, persecution.com. It is an easy one to remember, persecution.com. And uh, actually, my book is on the front page right now under the resources okay. tab. So you can get a copy of the book at persecution.com. The other thing I would point people to is vomradio.net. That is the home of our podcast. And so I would encourage you come and listen. Uh, we talk. In fact, Cynthia has been our guest twice. So uh, you can start with those episodes and go out from there. Um, one final thing, we have an app. It is just called the VOM app. Uh, wherever you download apps, you can find it. Uh, and every day there is a new prayer request for persecuted Christians around the world. There is a multitude of resources, books and videos and audio. VOM radio is available in the app. Um, so that is a great tool to help you pray for persecuted Christians around the world. Uh, and again, you can find it. Just search for VOM or search for Voice of the Martyrs in whatever app store you use. Thank you so much. And I, I didn't know about the app. I don't have to get a get a copy of that. But so or get it on my phone. I should say you don't get copies of apps here. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but uh, I will look for that. And I encourage those of you who are listening, um, praying for the persecuted church can be a habit in your life that will inspire and encourage your own faith. And it really makes a difference. God is using the prayers of his saints to, to come alongside. Why is Jesus showing up and angels showing up in these situations? It's because people like you and like me have prayed and have released those um, that presence of Jesus to go the you know we're we're part of it we get to engage with what he's doing and so I encourage you to get the app and get a copy of of Todd's book and I know it'll be a blessing to you as it's been to me so thanks again Todd really really an honor to have you here today it has been my privilege thanks for having me okay yeah bye for now you guys we'll be back next week with another episode of the Dare to Multiply podcast. Imagine a world where passionate followers of Jesus come together to multiply, transforming lives beyond imagination. Instead of toiling with little fruit, what if God's abundance flowed beyond your wildest dreams? Picture those you've invested in sharing Jesus freely, creating a ripple effect of disciple-making. In her new book, The Multiplier's Mindset, Cynthia Anderson reveals how shifting mindsets can revolutionize disciple-making. When Cynthia and her colleagues experienced these mindset shifts, they saw enormous results including the launching of 19 multiplying movements in African and Asia, transforming tens of thousands of lives. This book will help you discover hidden harvesters, see church members move from passivity to passion, and release the power of simplicity in multiplying disciples. Don't remain stuck. Learn to move toward greater fruitfulness. Visit MultipliersMindset.com and get your copy of The Multipliers Mindset today. Wow, those were powerful stories about Sister Tong and Brother Iman. I'm going to be thinking about those for a few weeks to come for sure, maybe longer than that. And oh Lord, would you please make me someone who recognizes that every single person that comes across my path is a potential person that God might have brought them. That person in the grocery store 
Maybe they have been placed there in the line ahead of me by God himself so I can be a witness to them. I want to have that assumption. How about you? I want to assume that God is working all around me, bringing people uh, who I can share with him, uh, with about him. I want to be that kind of person. And what a wonderful attitude. And, you know, I also want to be someone who has a godly ambition. Um, that's, that's a good thing that God can turn our worldly ambition. And as we know him and walk with him, he can turn it into ambition for his kingdom, that it's not about us being the best, but it's about seeing his kingdom expand. And we want to be excellent at it. We want to do our very best, give our best, give our highest. Why? Because he is worthy of it. I love that from the story about Iman. Uh, another few takeaways that I had from this interview was just that that we owe Jesus everything. So any persecution we suffer is nothing compared to what he's done for us. That really needs to be, must be our our uh, our heart and in our minds and and really our experience that he's done so much for us and it kind of reminds me of you know the story where Jesus said he who loves you know the the one who has been forgiven much loves much and um, really asking God and I think that's one of my takeaways from this interview is Lord help me to recognize what you've given me and how much I have to be grateful for and as I do that would you help me to also give you everything because we all, not only Iman, but we all owe him everything. Um, we owe him our allegiance. We owe him boldness. We owe him living out our faith um, on purpose, living it out loud in front of others. And um, another thing is just the daily reliance on God. And I hope that you've been challenged by this interview, by these stories, um, wherever you happen to live on live in the world, and, and that you've been challenged to draw near, draw near and say, God, whatever I am going through, I ask you to reveal yourself to me. I want to experience your presence in this difficulty. I want to experience your presence today, and I want to be used of you to take advantage of the opportunities that are here in this trial or in this crisis. Um, if somebody can be in prison and look around them and say, "These God might have placed me here, that God has allowed me to be here, and I'm going to use these, these opportunities that he's given me to share my faith with these people around me, how much more, if we're not in prison, can we be people who take advantage of the opportunities he's given us, even through our hardships? The, the people that he places in our lives through the things that we're going through. Um, I, I think about my mom who was in a, a nursing home for a while after she fell and broke her leg and, you know, the, the nurses aides and the people that were there and people that she would never have an opportunity to talk about, uh, about Jesus with, but because of her pain, there was new opportunities and people that she had a chance to pray with and share her faith with. And so let's do that. That's our takeaway this week. Let's look for opportunities that might be there in our even hardships and see what we can do to partner with God and see his kingdom expand through that. And also, I can't leave this podcast today without also just giving us that assignment would you pause even right now and pray for your brothers and sisters in the persecuted church, those who are in prison, those who have recently had family members who've been martyred, those who are living in uh, places of uh, great danger 
let's pause and let's pray for them right now. Just as, as soon as this podcast finishes, let's pray for the persecuted church and go head over to VOM's um, persecution.com website, download the app, and let's be people who are praying and standing with our brothers and sisters in Christ who are struggling around the world. God bless you guys. We'll be back next week with another podcast. That's all we've got for this episode of the Dare to Multiply podcast. One thing that would really help both us and other new potential listeners is for you to rate this show and leave a comment in iTunes, on Spotify, YouTube, or wherever you tune in to listen. Also, make sure to link up with us at dmmsfrontiermissions.com slash blog on social media. And please just share, share, share this podcast with anyone you think might enjoy it. Until next time, remember, God's dreams for us are always bigger than we can imagine.